You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Ty guessed it before we started the show. Ty even said, I know you. I know you've got your money all over the Bengals. And Ty, you are absolutely right. And hopefully you were able to get them at four and a half. Uh, Not sure if that line goes back up to four and a half. It probably won't. Uh, A lot of the public money is at four right now. A lot of the public money is on the Bengals, believe it or not. Uh, But... A lot, a lot to get to today, and we've got a jam-packed show. I'm, I'm pretty excited about it, actually. Um, first and foremost, in, in just a few minutes, uh, and this is his real name, Ben Baby, is going to be joining us. If you, if you watch ESPN, then you've seen him all over ESPN all week long. He covers the Bengals for ESPN, and uh, he's, been, uh, he's been over on the left coast in L.A. getting ready for the big game. keeping his finger on the pulse better than anyone else because this is the team that he covers uh, with the Bengals. So Ben Baby is going to pop on with us in about 10 minutes. So excited to talk to him, get the latest, you know, uh, what, what what have the Bengals been going through this week? Uh, You know, to me, they look footloose and fancy free is, is that if if you're, if you follow uh, the press conferences and I know there's a plethora of them throughout the week, to me, I don't know about you guys. And by the way, we've got Ty and Jay Crew producing the show. Um, I don't know about you guys, but like whenever I, I see Joe Burrow talk or I, I, I see or hear a, a Cincinnati Bengal player talk, it's kind of like, we got this. Like, doubt us? Fine. We'll still beat you. Well, like, they, what? I, like, go ahead. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm with you. I'm rooting for the Bengals. I'm going to throw some coin, as you would say, on the Bengals. But there is a there is definitely a different feeling to being the Bengals who are the underdogs who mm-hmm. are on the Cinderella story, the magic carpet ride, as opposed to the Rams who will have to win this game. Like the Bengals, you look at it, the last two seasons they've won six total games. They're two years removed from a two win season. Joe Burrow t- coming off a torn ACL. No one thought they would be here. The Rams went all in on Stafford, you know, Odell and Von Miller and you know, they've got Donald. You know, McVay is one of the best coaches in the league. You have to win this game. So they're, they're definitely operating with that sense of pressure, whereas the Bengals, it's, it's free and easy. Absolutely. Uh, and and, and you, could, you could see it and you could hear it in the press conference. You can see it in, in, in the way that they're carrying themselves throughout the week. So I'm really, t- I'm really anxious and excited to get Ben Baby on the show to get a real inside take and feel in regard to – um, how this Bengals team is uh, is right now emotionally as well as physically. Definitely the Bengals won up on the Rams because both of them suffered, uh, their, their starting tight ends suffered knee injuries heading into this game, and uh, Higby has been ruled out. He was placed on IR, so the Rams are not going to have him for the big game tomorrow, but Uzoma, uh, the tight end for the Cincinnati Bengals, looks like uh, he's going to give it a go. So one up there for the Bengals. Uh, during the course of the next three hours, I'm going to break down all the reasons why I like the Bengals heading into this matchup. I'm not going to say that the wrong team is favored here. I don't believe that's the case. Uh, because when you look at the matchup on paper, and of course the big names that scream out to you, Cooper Cup, Odell Beckham Jr., Von Miller, Aaron Donald, you don't have a lot of big names on that Cincinnati Bengals roster that scream out to you. However, I do believe in regard to matchups, and trust me, uh, because of the gambling show that I work on, Daily Wager, on ESPN, uh, I have had to do a massive, massive dive into this matchup, and I have for the last two-plus weeks. And so I have uncovered, and, you know, it's, it's one of those things, it's like, uh, not that I'm searching for it, but whatever, whatever research I do, I, I always kind of like, I, I go into it with an open mind. Like, okay, let me see what I can, since, since, I, since I have a conviction on the Cincinnati Bengals, in regard to the deep dive that I'm doing, what can I uncover that's going to persuade me otherwise? That's going to lure me back to the Ram side. And I have to be honest with you, there's not much. So, and, and it's a lot. Uh, there's, there's a plethora of information I have that I will share with you uh, in the next, especially we'll, we'll do it in this next hour because I do want to break the show down for you. Again, Ben Baby is going to join us from the West Coast. Uh, he, uh, he covers the Bengals for ESPN. Excited to get him on. We'll open up the phone lines, 800-919-3776. We'll talk about the Super Bowl. What are your picks? What are your plays? How do you feel uh, about this matchup? Uh, it was very interesting coming into the show. I was asking Ty and Jake, you know, how did, how did Dave's show go where there were a lot of calls and whatnot? 
And um, and one thing Ty says, you know, nobody's really excited about the Super Bowl here, which, okay, I get it. Like, you know, this is, you know, it's not Tom Brady and the Bucks going up against Bill Belichick and Mac Jones. Like, yeah, I think a lot of people across the world would be interested in that matchup because of Bill Belichick and, uh, and Tom Brady. What, what, what's exciting, what's enticing about this matchup? For me, it's, it's and, and let's be honest, this, this is what I love about sport, right? This is like one of my favorite things about sport, how it brings community together, it brings people together. Everybody, when you have a rooting interest, you know, if you're not, if you're not from LA, and even though there's people who are from LA who aren't Rams fans, like, let's be honest, you know, this is going to be played in Los Angeles at their home stadium. But I, my, the reports, everything that I'm hearing is that 70% of the crowd is going to be Cincinnati Bengal fans. So you're going to look tomorrow, you're going to look around, of course, and a lot of these are corporate tickets, corporate boxes, we know how it works. But you're going to see a sea of orange tomorrow at this game. Uh, because it's, it's not like the Rams have a huge fan base in and across the United States of America uh, or even outside of the United States. So, so that, to me, that's, there you go. That's, there's one nugget already, right? Like, you know, this, this isn't a home field advantage. And, in, and what I find interesting as well is Cincinnati's the home team because the AFC is the home team this year. So, uh, <laughs> which... Uh, although they have agreed to uh, to the Cincinnati Bengals have allowed the the Rams to stay in there and, and they had the choice to really, uh, you know, make them uncomfortable. But the Cincinnati Bengals said, yeah, you keep the home locker room. We'll take the visiting locker room. It's your locker room, whatever. It's not a big deal. But um, so, uh, you know, in, in regard to the rooting interest in, in what makes the Super Bowl exciting is that you really have a true underdog, even though, again, I believe the Bengals are going to win outright. And, and I will share with you all the reasons why I believe that. But they are a true underdog, you know, and, and you've got, you've got a, a Rams team. You talk about, you know, a lot of people call the Yankees several years the evil empire. Why they spend so much money in free agency. They try to buy championships. I know that hasn't been the case as of late, kind of, sort of, but not. But the Rams totally, full-fledged. I mean, they mortgaged their future. They traded away a lot of first-round draft picks. God knows, I don't know when they have another first-round draft pick in the next, I don't know if they have one in the next decade. But, of course, I'm joking. I'm exaggerating. But they have. They have mortgaged their future to go out and bring in Odell Beckham Jr., bring in Von Miller. Um, you know, Matthew Stafford switching him out for, uh, for golf. So this is, a, this is, a, this is a, a Rams team that's been built through free agency, they were built to win a championship this year. They're one game away from doing that. And meanwhile, you've got a Cincinnati Bengals team that, let's be honest, that organization, they've been god-awful for so long, they've built their way through the draft. I mean, grant, granted, Trey Hendrickson, to me, has to be one of the best um, off-season uh, acquisitions, acquisitions, am I even pronouncing that properly? Get the word, Anita. Uh, that, that happened this past season. Um, but you know, they, they are the, they are a homegrown talent. Here's another one for you. Folks might not be aware of this, but the, the Bengals are owned by the Brown family and with, and, and I'm going to be really kind here and say that they are the most financially conservative family in the NFL. I won't say cheap. I won't say cheap. I'll say financially conservative. Um, fewest people on the coaching staff don't really pay well. In fact, one of my favorite storylines heading into this matchup is the one-man show, which is the analytics department for the Bengals. And I will share that with you as well in this next hour. So there's a lot of reasons, I think, as, as sports fans, when we don't have a dog in the fight, where do, where do we root? Where, do, where does our heart lie? Who do we want to root for and why? And for what reasons? And I think the Bengals represent a lot of that. Even though we talk about Joe Burrow and him being Joe Cool and, um, you know, he wears the funky sunglasses and, and you got to love his wardrobe. And he, I, maybe he comes off for some people a little obnoxious, a little arrogant. Uh, but there's something about that arrogance that isn't um, off-putting. And, um, and I think that there are a lot of reasons to root for this Bengals team, again, 
considering a number of us here in New York don't have a dog in this fight. So we'll dive into all that. I'll open up the phone lines, 800-919-3776. Ben Baby is going to join us from uh, the West Coast. Again, he covers the Bengals for ESPN. The remainder of the show... Uh, we got Cynthia Freeland, as always. She's been out on the West Coast, as always. Of course, she lives out there. She works for the NFL Network. She's going to be joining us in the one thirty hour. Uh, also, big uh, trade that we know that went down with the Nets and the 76ers. Uh, the Nets get Ben Simmons, of course. Harden, hasta la vista. Don't let the door hit you on the butt on your way out. We got Bobby Marks, who's going to join us on the show at 2 o'clock today to talk about that trade deal what happened in the 11th hour, how it got done, and what it means for the Nets and the 76ers moving forward, the landscape of the NBA. And as we know, the all-star break is, is, is right around the corner. What happens for the remainder of the season in regard to these teams trying to compete and get into the postseason? So we'll dive into all that with Bobby Marks. Joe Wiz, as always, joins us on Saturdays. We'll get his Super Bowl picks as well. So a jam-packed show. Phone lines are open, 800-919-3776. Also, uh, Dave Rothenberg doesn't like when people post their Wordle uh, results on on social media. In each and every, did did he mention this to you guys on the show? Did he mention that I, I must annoy him? He was mentioning that he is an anti Wordle guy. He's an anti Wordle guy. Well, I just started. I just started playing Wordle three days ago, and I'm very proud of myself. And yes, at the end of my accomplishments of of finding the word uh, before the five tries you get. Uh, yes, I do post this to social media. So I was just curious if, uh, if Dave uh, was, uh, was, was ripping me on the show today. Wouldn't be surprised. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Start with Richard in Manhattan. Richard, you're up. Anita, every year I hear the same, st- same stuff on prop bets. The length of the national anthem, the flip of the coin, these are all tired. How many yards, who scores, who scores first? They're tired. There's no imagination in any of these prop bets. So I was thinking I've got two great prop bets that I've never heard, and I think it would be fantastic. Okay? A little subjective, but we can refine them so they become more definitive. Okay, here are my two prop bets. Okay. What are the odds we have a good game tomorrow? And what are the odds we have a great game tomorrow? Now, let me just interrupt you before you interrupt. The great game to me is the, the outcome is undecided with less than 30 seconds to go in the game. That's a great game. That's a great game. Good game, the outcome is undecided with less than two minutes left to go in the game. That's a good game. That means it held your attention. What do you think of those prop bets? Um, and, and Richard, I appreciate the call and the creativity, but you know, it's very subjective, you know, what you might consider a great game or a good game, uh, is, is, is different than what other people would consider. That's for sure. So, um, I think you need to be more specific, but again, because gambling now has become legal, um, and a lot of these, uh, Sports books are, lack of a better phrase, in bed with a number of these leagues. Um, they, they're they prevented from uh, putting out prop bets that, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think what's the right word to use, uh, that, that, that are predetermined. There we go. That are predetermined. Like, somebody out there knows what the first song is going to be tomorrow for the halftime show. You know, uh, might be quite a few people out there who know. So, and that's another thing. These offshore accounts that you you can wager on, um, you know, you're you're limited. I think you can't wager more than $500 because of that as well. So just keep that in mind. All right. So I want to do a deep dive into this matchup. And I I know we've got quite a few calls that are coming in in regard to the NBA and and the trade that went down. And and I promise we're going to hit on that. And I'm really excited. Bobby Marks is going to join us on the show in about an hour and a half. So stay tuned for that as well. But all right. So a a few reasons why I I really like the Bengals in this matchup. Uh, First and foremost, um, I I just I, I like I'll take Joe Burrow over Matthew Stafford. And not to say Matthew Stafford is a bad quarterback. He's really not. Uh, in fact, I, I was I was thrilled 
that Matthew Stafford was able to leave Detroit and, and go to the Rams and join forces with Sean McVay. And look, look how far they've come. And he's had a, he's, he's had a good season. Obviously, working with a number of great wide receivers, uh, Cooper Cup being you know arguably the best this season. But here's, here's why I like Joe Burrow in this matchup, okay? Now, you've got a... You've got a Cincinnati, you, you've got a, a Rams defense that blitzes. Their blitz rate is top five in the NFL. Their blitz rate, okay? Joe Burrow has been a magician. Joe Burrow has been magnificent against the blitz. Check out these numbers for Joe Burrow against the blitz. Number one in the NFL in regard to yards per attempt. He averages 12 yards per attempt against the blitz and also a 72% completion percentage. Now, if the Rams don't blitz, the Cincinnati Bengals' offensive line is last in sack rate at 9%. So as horrible as that offensive line is, they actually are the best in preventing sacks when they are not getting blitzed. Okay? Okay? Here's another one for you. Joe Burrow is the third best quarterback, or I should say has the third best passer rating in the NFL when he is not blitzed. Okay? And so, (laughs) uh, and when the Rams don't blitz, they play zone defense 77% of the time. And when Joe Burrow is not blitzed, and is going up against a zone defense, his completion percentage gets even better at 77%. So in essence, Joe Burrow against whatever defense the Rams do decide to play. Now, obviously, the onus is going to be on Joe Burrow being able to, you know, decipher and, and, and know exactly what's coming. He's averaging anywhere between 72 and 77% completion percentage. So very, very, very impressive in that regard. So pretty much it's going to be pick your poison in regard to what the Rams are, are going to want to do. And if, if you did listen, I know it was a, with, with Ben Baby, he was on the beach, the wind was, 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 was blowing, and, and I know the interview was hard to hear. But, you know, I, I did ask him about the, the uptick in pass protection for Joe Burrow since that nine-sack game against the Tennessee Titans. And sure enough... They're keeping tight ends more at home, helping with chipping, helping with pass protection. Samaji Pirine is playing a little bit more in the backfield. Now, in regard to Matthew Stafford, very interesting. The Cincinnati defense, they play a lot like the 49ers. They don't blitz much. In fact, they blitz only like 18 per- less than 20% of the time. 18% of the time. So against the Kansas City Chiefs, why Patrick Mahomes looks so pedestrian in the second half. Cincinnati, not only did they not blitz, but they only sent three in regard to their pass rush, containing Joe Burrow, and they had eight drop back in coverage. So, and even even when they're only rushing four, they still have a top five pressure rate in the NFL. Matthew Stafford has 18 interceptions on the season. 14 of those 18 interceptions come against a defense that is zone with little to no blitz. And the Bengals play that defense 66% of the time. 66% of the time. One more thing. Stafford against teams that only send three on the line and drop eight back into coverage he only has a 52% completion percentage. So marinate in all that, and that is why, you know, I, I really do feel Burrow is going to outperform and outshine um, Matthew Stafford. So to me, Burrow, because of the matchup, because of the, the defenses that both these teams play, to me, Burrow has the advantage tomorrow. So that's first and foremost. Uh, let's go position by position. In regards to the wide receivers, 
no denying, obviously, Cooper Cup winning Offensive Player of the Year. He's been sensational. And that's one of the weakest links, by the way, in that Cincinnati Bengals defense is their slot, their, their slot corner. So I do expect Joe Burrow, uh, Joe Burrow, I, I do expect Cooper Cup to have a big game tomorrow. Um, but other than that, you know, give or take both these wide receiving cores, you know, uh, Odell Beckham Jr., Cooper Cup, keep in mind, Higby is out. So maybe you give the Rams a little bit of an advantage. Jamar Chase, uh, T. Higgins, uh, Uzoma. So, okay, maybe you want to say, hey, come on, Anita. It's, it's Odell Beckham Jr. It's, it's Cooper Cup. Okay, maybe you want to give the Rams a little bit of, of an advantage. But it's not like Joe Burrow's playing with chopped liver, right? Like uh, Jamar Chase single-handedly uh, helped me lose all three of my fantasy football championships in week 16 because he put up a gazillion points against the Kansas City Chiefs. And he could go off at any time. And when he's not going off, T. Higgins steps up in a big way. So wide receiver core, to me, somewhat even. Tight end, well, unfortunately, the Rams are going to be without their starting tight end. um, And Uzoma is going to give it a go. We'll see what happens there. In regard to the backfield... I, I like the Cincinnati Bengals backfield more so than the Rams. And I, I love Cam Akers, but it's evident he's still not right. He's only averaging 2.8 yards per carry in the postseason since he's come back from his Achilles. And now you've got Sony Michelle, not to take anything away from him. Solid, but outstanding. No. And Henderson is expected back. So now you've got a three-headed monster in that backfield. It's hard sometimes when you've got three guys back there. Running backs tell you, like, they need a lot of they need a lot of touches. They need to get into a rhythm. They need to get into a flow. They need to get into a vibe. If if the ball's going to be uh, you know uh, interchanged between the three of them, I think that's going to hamper them more than help them in that backfield. Meanwhile, I think give me Joe Mixon. I think Joe Mixon is the best running back that's going to suit up tomorrow. And Samaji Pirine has really, don't forget, he took that 40-yard screen in for a touchdown against Kansas City and scored. And again, the reason Samaji Pirine is being utilized is because he's the better blocking running back for the Cincinnati Bengals. So I do expect us to see a, a, a solid share of Pirine, especially on third down. So for me, the backfield, to me, give me the Cincinnati Bengals. Offensive line, we've been talking about it all week, obviously, uh, you know, the Rams, a better offensive line than Cincinnati Bengals, but nothing outstanding. Um, you've, you've had uh, Matthew Stafford. He's been sacked. He was sacked uh, 35 times this season. Gave up five sacks against the 49ers in week 18. Gave up five sacks against Tennessee. So, um, so yes, the, the Rams have the better offensive line, but not by a mile. In regard to the defense, yes, give it to the Rams, especially their front seven. But I do expect Tennessee to, uh, to, to play better than we've seen them play in the regular season. And defense-wise, give me Trey Hendrickson as well. Like, he's flying low under the radar. Nobody's really talking a lot about him. He's got 14 sacks in the regular season, two and a half sacks in the, in, in the postseason. He's got 16 and a half sacks this season. So, in fact, one of my favorite bets out there in regard to the odds that are available is the Cincinnati Bengals logging more sacks than the Rams tomorrow at plus 310. So, um, secondary. Folks might not be aware of this because the Rams have uh, Jalen Ramsey. But the Rams secondary has given up the fourth most receiving yards to opposing wide receiving cores in the NFL this season. The fourth most. So I do believe that Cincinnati's wide receiver, I think both wide receiving cores are going to have success. I think in order for either of these teams to win, they're going to have to pass the ball. Both teams are solid against the run. The Rams, better rushing defense than the Bengals. But nonetheless, in order, who's ever going to win this is going to have to toss the rock, throw the rock a lot. And therefore, that leads me to, obviously, what I discussed when we first started this this conversation, and that is give me Joe Burrow in regard to this defensive matchup over Stafford and what the Bengals are going to present because Stafford does not do well against that zone defense with little to no blitz. So there's that. Now let's go one step further. 
The Bengals are the second least penalized team in the NFL this season. Very, you know, great coaching staff, very disciplined. And the coaching staff, and I, I, it pains me to say this because I know Sean McVay, and, but sometimes I think he gets ahead of himself. I think he's got poor clock management. Um, he throws challenge flags unnecessarily. And, he, and, and, and I, don't, I don't like where he calls timeouts. So I, I lean towards the Bengals coaching staff who's done a phenomenal job with second-half adjustments. Again, go back to that Kansas City game. Patrick Mahomes looked so pedestrian. Why? Because of the defensive changes the Bengals were able to make at the half to come out in the third quarter and the fourth quarter and dominate. So, and, and, and what, what's really impressive is the Bengals are one of the worst teams in the first quarter. Bengals offense and defense ranked 28th and 29th in scoring. So their offense... 28th in scoring in the first quarter, their defense 29th in allowing opponents to score in the first quarter. So what does that mean in regard to the games that they've been able to win? It means that their coaching staff makes unbelievable, really fantastic adjustments at the half and comes out and they're always coming back from being down. They're typically down in the first quarter. That's another thing. This Bengals team, they go down. There's no sweat there. They've been down all season, especially in the first quarter. We got this. It's not a problem. There's no. There, there, there's not going to be a, a, a sense of a, a sense of uh, panic if this team goes down. So again, and and I'm not sitting here saying that the wrong team is favored. In fact, I love that the fact that the Cincinnati Bengals are getting four. And I'm not saying here that I absolutely positively 100% guarantee you Cincinnati is going to win. No, it's the Super Bowl. It's the Super Bowl. Both these teams are excellent teams. That's why they're here. But I do believe this game will be decided by three. Oh, I left out probably the most important nugget. And that is special teams. Both punters evenly matched in regard to uh, their punting skills. They average uh, about 40 to, I'm sorry, 50 to 55 yards. Uh, So punting, they're even. But field goal kicking, not to take anything away from Matt Gay, but McPherson has been un- un- otherworldly. Has broken a ton of NFL records, especially he is money from 50 if not beyond. So think about you know the, the, the pressure, the lack of pressure that Joe Burrow is going to feel is you know, he's moving them down the field. Okay, all I have to do is get into like the 42, 45-yard uh, range and McPherson, he's got the leg to boot this. That, that's a big relief. That's a big sigh of relief for a quarterback. So special teams, because of the field goal kicker in, in McPherson, boom, Cincinnati checks that box too. So I just I, I do believe that this game is, is going to be decided by a field goal. And so the fact that you can get Cincinnati at plus four, I love it. Um, so how am I going to play this game? I jumped on Cincinnati at plus four and a half. I'd still take them at plus four. I'm going to take them on the money line, and you could get that at plus 150, which means folks out there who maybe you don't gamble, money, lean, money line means they're just going to win straight up. I'm also going to play them as an alternate spread. What does that mean? It means that I'm going to play them at minus two and a half because not only do I think Cincinnati is going to win, I think they're going to win by three. Therefore, I'll play them at minus two and a half, and I'm going to get that at plus 190, which means what? It means that Cincinnati has to win by three. And if they do, and I put $100 down on that, that they'll win by three, I'm winning $190 back. That's what that means. I'm also going to play them as a two-way teaser. So I'm going to tease Cincinnati up to plus 10. I got them at plus 10 and a half. I love having that hook, especially at the 10. That's crucial. Um, And I'm going to tease the over down to 42 and a half. So when you play a two-team teaser, you get six points to go either way. So again, I'm teasing the Bengals up to plus 10 because that's where the line is right now. It's at four. And I'm going to tease the over down to 42 and a half because I do believe that these two teams uh, put up more. My, my final score here is Bengals 27, Rams 24. That's my final score, by the way. 
And also one of my favorite bets is the Bengals over 21 and a half points. Team total points. And you could get that at minus 110. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Yeah, this is a Portland team that uh, that beat uh, Ty's Lakers even without McCollum the other night. So uh, there's that. Wait, what? Wait, what's, 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 you woke up and chose violence today just for no reason? I didn't do anything to you. That's not nice. Uh, I'll let you and Jake. I know, I'll let, you're, I'll, you're still I'll mad. let you and Jake. You're still mad that, uh, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo's home and going to be unemployed soon, looking for a new team. No, he's not. He's not going to be unemployed. Team. You watch. He's just mad. You watch. You watch. He's going to be starting He's gonna be starting quarterback somewhere. I don't yeah, know. Is it? Is it a team that can't find a quarterback. So, yeah, slot him right in there. Yep. We'll see. <laughs> we'll that's that's we'll, going to be our rivalry. I mean, how about this? How about this? I'm, I'll, I'll bet you $100 right now. I'll bet you. Hold on a second. Let me let me call up and let me see. I'll bet you a hundred hours right now that if Jimmy Garoppolo goes to the Pittsburgh Steelers, trying to think, what are some of the? Look at this. Oh wow, they've already changed the name of the Washington Commanders. Yeah. Um, All interesting. That, on betting sites. Yeah, it's already called. They they've already like and, and they and they put in the new logo. That I'm was interested fast. in this hundred dollar bet. So let me hear. Yeah. So I'm looking. I I, I do believe that. Um, I'm looking around the NFL really quick. So I, I do believe Rodgers is going to Denver. Um, uh, ooh. Last time we had Cynthia Freeland on, she said Raiders. Um, so let's just, let's, let's go with that for right now, right? Let's go Raiders and, let's go Raiders and Steelers. I'll bet you $100 that a Jimmy Garoppolo goes to either one of those teams, either one of those teams make it to the playoffs next year. Hundred dollars to the Raiders. Well, the Raiders or the Steelers. If Jimmy Garoppolo, those are, those are two of the teams that are his name has been mentioned. If he goes to either one of those teams, I'll bet you a hundred dollars they make it to the playoffs with well, Jimmy Garoppolo as their quarterback. It's not a it's uh, it's not a good bet on my part because both of those teams made it to the playoffs this year, and if you're the Steelers, you're upgraded going from that version of Big Ben to Jimmy Garoppolo. Is a bit of an upgrade, so I I can't take that bet. I don't think it's a good bet in my favor. I thought you were gonna say he wins a playoff game. Yeah, but you're you're, you're yeah, but you talk about him like he's the worst quarterback that walks no, the planet. No, he's not the worst. He's just not good. But how about we do this? How about so we if do he's not good, then make game? the bet. How about if we he's do... not good, then make the bet. Well, Big Ben wasn't good this year, and they made the playoffs. They made the playoffs. So how about if they win a playoff game, we can do that. Put your money where your mouth is. If he Done. goes to either of those teams and Done. they win a... All right, bam, there we go. Love it. <laughs> is Love that breaking it. news? Love I don't it. know if that should be breaking news. Love <laughs> oh my gosh, Free you money. guys are so funny. Love all right, hold I will say this, Anita. Ty made a $25 bet with Dave this morning, and Love he it. lost. And not only that, Dave does not have Venmo. So I'm the middleman in between this, so I want to say this. What was your What was your bet? Ty, do you it, want to tell her? It was just something that happened on the case show that I, I said something happened and he remembered it differently and we had to get clarification on how it all happened. So was, Ty's making bets on air all morning, but he's 0 for 1. But again, I am not being the middleman with all these Venmo transactions. So this is between you two. You got it. Uh, let's take a call before we take a break because we're going to hear from Cynthia Freeland. She's going to join us from the West Coast. Um, so uh, let's go to Javier in the Bronx. Javier, you're up. Uh Good afternoon, Anita. Blessings to you and your family. I hope uh, you definitely enjoy the game tomorrow. I definitely hope thank that. You. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, right uh, now, this is what I think, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to see if I do it as short as, as I can. But I think that James Harden gets a pass. I don't even like James Harden. I'm a Knicks fan, so I'm happy as hell because of Brooklyn. But I think James Harden gets a pass due to the fact that I know he left uh, Houston unceremoniously. You know, he left not in not in a very honorable way. But this time, you know, he's playing with a man who lured him into this team and, you know, is, is not committed. Who knows if he has the same thoughts or the same beliefs that Kyrie Irving has. But for the greater good, he said, I'm going to vaccinate myself in order to get this championship together. But, you know, Kyrie doesn't want to do it. He's always fighting for a cause. He missed his calling in life. He should have been an attorney or, you know, don't study law, man. He could fight, you know. You know, last, you know, when the, I'm pretty sure, Anita, that when that unfortunate incident happened in the, in the nation's capital, you didn't take off. Did you take off? 
Uh, no, I I don't. No, I can't. I can't. I, I know, but he needed. But at the same, but at the same time, Javier, you know, again, I I take I take mental health very seriously, and um, and I, I never ever compare um uh, my life to a professional athlete's. Uh, it's they're they're they live on a totally different universe. Um, <laughs> let's go to Mike and Hawthorne uh, really quick before again we take a break. We're going to hear from Cynthia Freeland. Mike, welcome in. Good afternoon. Okay. Anita? Hi. Hi, Mike from Hawthorne. Welcome in. Hi, I, I have a quick question for you. Mm-hmm. What is it that James Harden has done that has made everybody put him as part of the blame? Because every here's because here because here's the thing, Mike. Mike, every every place he goes, it, there's just it, it ends in a very negative, bad, drama filled way. And he's very, here's another thing, Mike. He's very passive. And thanks for the phone call. He's very passive aggressive. Like I, I would have more. I I think it would it would be better for him if he came out in in was very straightforward in regard to what he's dealing with, what his issues are, and why he wants out. As opposed to, oh no no, I'm good here. I'm good. I'm good in Brooklyn. I'm in, man. I'm invested. Yeah, big three. We'll do it. And then behind closed doors, or you know, um, in in the NBA circles of 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 agents trying to maneuver his exit plan. So passive aggressive. It's like it's bush league. Like come on, like just be like your your reputation stinks already. Like have have some sincerity. Have some honesty. And I, I think even though somebody, people might agree or disagree with you, but at least you'll get the respect and the fact that you are, you are transparent. I think the fact that he is, he is so non-transparent and the fact that he is so wishy-washy, it comes across as wishy-washy and is passive aggressive, I think hurt him more than helps him. Without further ado, let's go back to our phone lines. John and Bayside, welcome in. Hey, how you doing? Great. Good. Um, I, I just I, you know, I just listened to the radio and I heard your uh, commentary early on on James Harden, and um, yeah, I just I, I just think you're really really harsh and just missing a lot of key points to this whole this whole dynamic here. Um, first of all, like the caller earlier stated, Kyrie Irving is the number one reason why all this is happening. And Kyrie Irving probably would not be on the Nets and would have been traded away had it not been for Kevin Durant vetoing anything. I don't know what, what hold, what stranglehold he has over Kevin Durant or either there's pictures of this guy or what, but um, yeah, Kevin Durant Kevin Durant's the reason Kyrie's still on his team and James Harden uh, just had enough and he wanted to he wanted to bail. He wants to go to a winner. He doesn't want to he doesn't play with a guy who, who just cares about himself and, and is selfish. And um, if you if you look at all the Nets players and what they said about uh, James Harden last year they said he was a true leader in this team. He's the one who got everyone motivated during practice. He's the one that made sure everyone did what they were supposed to do. He mentored and tutored the young players. And, yeah, so how could he go from that great a player and teammate to, to this? It's Kyrie Irving is, is, is the X factor here. I mean, had you told James Listen, Harden before John, I'm Nets not... that Kyrie was going to quit, he probably would have not joined the Nets. He probably would have yeah, no, no thanks. I probably and and, I, and John, John, with all due respect, like, and, and I appreciate the phone call, like, I said that. So I said, if, if I'm hardened and, and, you know, this whole thing went down with Kyrie, unwilling to get vaccinated, he can't play here in Brooklyn, he can't play home games. After all, I sacrificed to come here um, to try to win a championship. Yeah, you know what? I'd be ticked off too. But at the same time, you know, you, 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 look, you look at Harden's track record in regard to all the stops and where he's been, OKC, Houston, here, like – you know, everything has, has ended in a way that has been drama related. Um, you know, and, and, and to come in and and be out of shape and not perform and not perform well, because that's your exit strategy. I I just, I I don't have a lot of respect for that. I'm not sitting here telling you that, that, that all that's happened here is all Harden's fault. No, absolutely not. Kyrie is absolutely to blame. I just, I, I guess my, my situation is I just don't like the way Harden handled it based on everything I'm hearing and everything I'm reading. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Earn, sorry, earn 
in Brooklyn. Welcome in. What you got? Earn in Brooklyn. Long time no talk to Anita. This is your man from Brooklyn, your man crush. I am so <laughs> disgusted with the Nets right now, and I blame Kyrie Irving for all of this, even though I think Harden is unprofessional just like Kyrie is. Because KD got hurt because he had to play more minutes. Same thing with Harden because of Kyrie and his issues. Um, I had told you a couple of months ago that I had wanted to trade for Ben Simmons, but I thought we would send Kyrie instead of Harden because we need defense and he didn't need to shoot the ball because we have plenty of shooters. But I'm just so disgusted. If we can squeeze out a championship, I would trade Kyrie too because he's just as, uh, he's just as unprofessional as Harden is. They're, 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 they're just both head cases. Harden's only around for good times. As soon as something goes wrong, he's out the door. So I'm kind of finished. Well, I'm finished with him anyway. I hope we beat him when we when we face the seventy uh, sixes. All right, all right. I, I hear you. I hear you, Earn. Uh, let's do this. Uh, let's find out what's trending at uh, at two. Was it two twenty two p.m. Eastern time on this Saturday? It's time for click or don't click, gentlemen. This is click, 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 or don't. Very simply, here's the headline. Are you interested in clicking or not? Uh, We can continue along that trend. Anita, I will echo the same sentiments of our guy Earn in Brooklyn. Kyrie Irving making his presence felt again. Are you clicking or or not clicking? Yeah, of course I'm clicking. All right, so I went back and I looked at this excerpt from an article courtesy of CBS that came out once Kenny Atkinson was fired last season by the Nets. And it goes uh, as the following. The Brooklyn Nets fired coach Kenny Atkinson on Saturday morning. You're hearing the normal euphemisms that they parted ways and even that the decision was mutual between Atkinson and the organization, particularly general manager Sean Marks. Frame it how you want it. They fired him and Kyrie Irving, here's the money quote, Kyrie Irving almost certainly had something to do with it. You look at all the reports surrounding James Harden's departure, he was unhappy with the playing style, and there was some friction with Kyrie Irving. So, Anita, uh, I know Harden deserves a lot of criticism for how he handled his exit from Brooklyn. You show up to camp overweight. Yeah, Ramona Shelburne the, the, the tale that last week, you know, when the Nets were on their West Coast trip, he was hanging out late. Uh, so he certainly should be criticized and, and demeaned just because of how unprofessional he went about this. But Kyrie Irving, for the third organization, is just torpedoing their title chances. Yes, he won in Cleveland, but then the way that ended, maybe they had a chance to win some more championships. He wanted out. When Boston acquired him, they thought he was the missing ingredient for a team that was on the cusp of winning a championship. He ruined that locker room. And now for the Nets, he's gotten a head coach fire. He's run Harden out of town. Uh, it's just a lot to deal with, a lot that comes with Kyrie Irving. And now he doesn't want to get the vaccine, so he's only playing in away games. Just a, he is as good of a player as he is. It, he's such a headache, just such a headache to deal with. I, I, I agree. I, agree. I, I think they're both headaches. I think they're both headaches. That's why I'm, I'm, re- I'm really intrigued with this trade and and how Ben Simmons, you know, and again, uh, I always preface, I you know, mental health is 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 a serious illness, and, and and it's a thing. And both Ben Simmons and Kyrie Irving have both come out publicly and said that they deal with mental illness, and and you know, they seek help for it. Like I'm just, I, I'm I'm intrigued how two two of the most um, concerned concerning NBA players are going to be in in that regard are going to be on the same team. How are they going to coexist? How is this going to work out? It's it's listen, a, a lot is going to be on, on Steve Nash's shoulders here. Like nobody's talking about that either. Like, you know, beyond the X's and O's and, and, and managing games to manage these personalities. Yeah. And it is why when we look at, great head coaches across sports who are given a surplus of talent, I think there is a part of us that 
underrates the jobs that they do. For example, like Phil Jackson having success in Chicago and in L.A. Steve Kerr with the Warriors. And you could go on and on about the, the really good coaches who had great teams and just how tough it is to manage personalities. Because you look at Nash, the, the hand that he was dealt with Harden, Durant, and Kyrie Irving. And some of it had to do with injuries and, you know, the vaccine situation. But, yeah, you can be a coach, get a lot of talent, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to translate into success if you don't exhibit and exude the leadership needed, you know, for it to all come together. And unfortunately for the Nets, Nash hasn't been able to capitalize on this this good hand that he was dealt. And again, I want to mention injuries have come uh, to, to play a part in it. But we got to give credit to those coaches who are able to manage personalities because to your point, the job that he has that he has ahead dealing with Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons, and then, you know, having Kevin Durant here as, as as your best player, just getting these guys to mesh and try to win a championship, that's an arduous one. It's 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 gonna be it's gonna be tough. What else what else is trending at two twenty seven PM on this Super Bowl Saturday? Well, going from one New York basketball team to the other one mm-hmm. team was very busy during the trade deadline. The other wasn't. So my headline is, every rose has its thorns. Ooh, okay. And I'm not talking about the flowers, and I'm not talking about the, the famous song by Poison, but I am talking about Leon Rose. And a lot of fans were mad that the Knicks front office didn't really make any moves during the trade deadline. But my question is, who did they really expect to move at the deadline? The only player that really had any value to him was R.J. Barrett, and I think a lot of Knicks fans are in agreement that that's kind of the young player that we should try to build around. So my question for you is, with this current roster after making no moves, do you think that this team will even make the playoffs this year? Um. Or do you think they, <laughs> do you think they have enough as they are currently uh, in place to make the playoffs with this roster? Do you think they will if they, if they play the way that they have? I know they just came off a huge win in Golden State. A lot of people didn't see that coming with R.J. Barrett out especially. But, you know, they have been playing a little bit better. Julius Randle has been playing a little bit better. So if they continue playing the way that maybe they played in Golden State, can you see them possibly making a run and maybe getting into the play-in game or maybe one of those uh, lower seeds? Um... I just, I don't, I don't, I think there's just too much wrong with this team. Um, and I know they're sitting at 27 and 31. Uh, you've got Washington in front of them. Uh, they're one game back to the Wizards. And Atlanta is that is that 10th seed. Atlanta, Charlotte, the Nets, Boston. So, and but, you know, I will, I will say this. I, I, I do believe they win today. Um, I, I do have them beating Portland today. So, but I just, I don't know. I I just, I can't, this has just been, there's so much inconsistency here. I, I, I can't, I I wouldn't, I wouldn't put money down that the Knicks make it to the postseason. I just wouldn't Jake. You want to know what feels like a really long time ago? Bing bong. I saw someone tweet out the Knicks went from um, bing bong to ping pong, which is uh, pretty funny. All right. Quick question for you, Anita, to wrap up Mm -hmm. click or don't click. Got the big game tomorrow. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, let me outline it for you first before you answer. The question is, the better story, is it Joe Burrow and the Bengals winning or would it be Matt Stafford and the Rams winning? Because for Stafford, I know a lot of people struggle with, you know, is he a Hall of Famer or isn't he? One can't deny that winning this game tomorrow would go a long way into like pursuing that uh, on his resume. Whereas Joe Burrow... Taking a team that in the last two seasons has won a combined six games to winning a championship and having to go through Kansas City and this you know juggernaut that is the L.A. Rams and winning the title in year two, fresh off of an ACL injury, those are two pretty good stories. So what do you think is would be the better one uh, as far as the conclusion of tomorrow's big game? Yeah, I, I, think, I think the bigger story will be Stafford in the Rams winning, especially with, you know, the the history that we've seen and we know of Stafford in Detroit, all the criticism that came with uh, McVay leaving golf behind, making that trade, him going to Detroit, bringing Stafford in, and then also just the organization as a whole and all that they have mortgaged to go out and bring in Odell Beckham Jr., bring in Von Miller. 
um, as lo- as well as Jalen Ramsey. Like, there's just so much on the line for this Rams team, and will will you know that their formula for success isn't necessarily it's an outlier. Like, you know, Washington's tried to do this before. Miami's tried to do this before years ago. Like, you know, th- this this formula of winning a championship surrounded surrounded by free agency and not building from within. That's not the norm. So if the Rams were to, to win, this would be an outlier in regard to the formula of success that we've seen in in, in around the NFL. So, and it could change how teams operate going forward, no? Now, their situation is a little bit unique uh, to have your team fully put together and to just be able to trade for a really, really good quarterback who was just stuck in a bad situation. Um, I don't I don't think that opportunity is going to just come so free and easy as, as they made it seem, but could change how teams uh, go forward. It's a copycat lead. Yeah, uh, but so much has to be in place in in order, like so much has to be in place yeah. in order for, for this to pan out. It, it really, um, it really does. So uh, I, so to answer your question, I, th- I think the bigger storyline here would be if, if the Rams won, especially for McVay, as well as Matthew Stafford and, and that organization in regard to what they, they've sacrificed uh, to put this roster together. Coach so Steve that- Nash just said that uh, Kevin Durant has joined the Nets on the road for the first time since suffering an MCL sprain on January 15. He is looking really good as he ramps up his on-court work, so uh, he's getting closer to returning. Okay. Dollar, 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 dollar. It means Joe Wiz joins us now on 98.7 ESPN, brought to you by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Hey, Joe, you ready for the Super Bowl, man? Yes, I am. We, you know, it's, it's about time. I wish they didn't have that bye week in between. I wish they'd just play the week after. I wish I was out there, too. I know it's warm here, but out there, it's like an excessive heat warning, like 90 degrees. <laughs> um, uh, to me, that's football weather, considering I'm, I'm from Miami. So, uh, so I know. We'll, well, it's not, I'm not used to it, but uh, it's great. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. And, uh, you know, I think you stayed up all night doing research. I've been listening to you all afternoon, and, like, you covered every little thing. I was like, there's nothing for me left over to say other than the pick. But good job. Well, let's, let's, let, we'll save your, your Super Bowl pick for last, okay? Um, I, I know that uh, I, it's a little early for me in regard to college basketball. Um, you know, I, I'm – I'm dabbling in the NBA, and I had a big winner last night uh, with over points for uh, Devin uh, Vassell, uh, which he was over 13 and a half. I want to say he had like 20-something on the night. So that was my best bet last night on Daily Wager. So I, I, haven't, I haven't dabbled in college yet, but uh, you've got to play in the Indiana-Michigan State game that tips off in about an hour. So uh, tell me, yeah, who, do you like in, who do you like in that one? It goes off at 3.30. The updated line at Bet Rivers has Michigan State favored by four. The total is at 134.5 in either. Both of these teams have lost two games in a row. And, uh, you know, the Hoosiers lost to Northwestern in overtime, 59-51. And the Spartans are coming off of a loss. Uh, Tom Izzo's very ready. He loses two games in a row. Um, I think that uh, Michigan State rebounds here. They're laying four. Um, uh, they beat, they beat uh, Indiana twice last year. They beat them both times here uh, in East Lansing, 64-58. to And they beat them on road, 78-71. I'll even take it a step further. Hoosiers do not make the NCAA tournament this year. I'm sorry. Woo! Okay. Yeah, um, Mike Woodson. He sounds familiar, right? He's the head coach of Indiana. He has some Nick storylines, right? <laughs> that's for sure. Um, all right, Ohio State and Michigan go at it. Tip off is at six o'clock. What's your play in that one? Yeah, another Big Ten game here, and you look at it here. Michigan's favored by two and a half. Ohio State's coming off of a loss. I mean, they lost to Rutgers. They were up by 10 with just a few minutes left in the game, and Rutgers went on a 10-0 run to knock off the Buckeyes. Wolverines, meanwhile, beat the number th- – well, then the number three team. They beat Purdue 82-58 to just a couple days ago here. Michigan's starting to play better, and um, I think that this is uh, going to be a Michigan – Michigan needs to win this game. They're 13-9. Um, they're starting to play better right now. Um, they're just eight. 14 against the spread, but the line's relatively low at two. I took them at minus two, but I'm advising some of my bigger players that are listening, uh, do the money line whenever the line is lower than two. Don't even mess with the spread and do the money line. Okay. Uh, again, Joe is joining us here on 98.7 ESP and brought to you by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. He has his own gambling show here. Um, let's talk some NBA and let's keep it in our own backyard. And that is the Knicks going up against Portland. You'll be able to listen to that game right here on 98.7 ESPN coming your way at five o'clock. 
the Knicks favored by four and a half. The over-under is at 218 and a half. I'm on the under in this play. What's your play in this matchup? Anita, and Nick, the Knicks have been known for their defense and they're generally, but the six of their last eight games have gone over and they've given up quite a, they've given up a 120 to Memphis, 122 to Lakers, 113 to Jazz, to Denver, 113. And even when they surprised the Warriors, they gave up 114. I think you, me, and Ty could put up a good game and put up about 70 points against the Knicks if they had a total on that. But, uh, you know, they've given up 100 points or more in seven of eight. I just, you know, on my show, Anita, because I, I, I thought the line would be like a pick in this game. I was way wrong, and um, I just wanted to be transparent. I don't trust the Knicks being a favorite, almost five, four and a half. I see some fives out there. Um, you know, uh, I don't trust the Knicks as a road favorite. They're playing the fifth straight road game, and the Blazers are not a bad team. They got this Anthony Simmons. I mean, he's been lighting it up. They got Nurkic. They got Justin Winslow. They got Ben Malcolm. Um, I'm taking the five. I, on my show, I gave out the Knicks, but I thought the line was going to be a pick em. At five points, I just don't I, – I always look at one of those factors in part of my hand capping is looking for teams that are playing on the road. Knicks can't be trusted. They're under 500, uh, 25 and 31, and their spread record's the same. And uh, Portland, um, you know, and especially uh, uh, without RJ in the lineup, that's another aspect of it too. So I'm taking, I'm switching my pick. I'm taking Portland plus five. Look at you. And you're allowed to do yeah. that. Yeah, I'm live, <laughs> live on 98.7, right? There you go. There you go. All right. Last but not least, uh, let, let's talk about the Super Bowl. As you said, I've, I've spent the last two weeks doing a really deep dive into this matchup. I'm, I'm on the Bengals side. Uh, I, I think this game is going to be decided by three points. So give me the Bengals plus four and a half. I know that that line has dropped to four. I don't believe that it will go back up to four and a half, to be quite frank. But nonetheless, uh, what's, what's, your, what's your play in this game? Yeah, uh, right now there were some four and a half that needed. The line is a solid four at Bet Rivers Sportsbook, um, and the total in this game is a 48 and a half. Um, you know, Cincinnati Bengals, I mean, they're just one of these Cinderella teams that's been doing really everything right, and it's hard to go against them because they're 7-0 and against the spread in the last seven games, and the Rams were on the ropes against San Francisco, the NFC Championship game. They were down 17-7 in that game, and they needed a comeback there. Um, and considering what's going on in the playoffs, sometimes this, this, this pattern continues. I mean, every divisional playoff game was decided on the final play of the game by a field goal. Same thing in the AFC and NFC Championship game, and you have to have a tremendous amount of respect for the Bengals who beat the uh, perhaps the best team in the NFL that's not in the Super Bowl is the Kansas City Chiefs. They were down 21-3 at Arrowhead, and everyone thought KC was going to the Super Bowl. But strange things happened. So here we go. Uh, I like the dog in this game here. I'm taking the four, uh, and uh, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they win the game outright. It took a little bit of money line. There's some line money lines I see as high as at buck seventy-five, more closer to a buck fifty. Um, so uh, you know that's a scenario. And you know you take a look at it. If you think the Bengals are going to win, Anita, like you do, uh, Barrows are good pretty good value at MVPs plus over 200 like you can get him at plus 230 and uh, 11 of the last 15 uh, MVPs in the Super Bowl have been the quarterback so if, if you think the Bengals are going to win we both do uh, likely candidate would be uh, Burrow you might get some good value there for the MVP candidate yeah I've already I've already laid all that uh, you know and, and for folks uh, who, who don't gamble that often it's really important like don't wait until the last minute to get your bets in tomorrow um because you know the, I got my bets in last week. Um, the lines have already changed. The odds have already changed because public money dictates a lot of that. And as we get closer and closer, there's going to be more people that are going to be gambling on the Super Bowl than ever before, right? And so I think we're going to see lines and values change tremendously as we get closer to kickoff. So. Uh, and, and, and so, you know, Joe, I'm, I'm sure you, you agree with me and just the message to the folks out there. If you are going to wager on this game, uh, get in on it early. Don't wait until the last minute. Don't wait before, you know, an hour before kickoff or three hours before kickoff because you won't get the same value. Right, Joe? Eight, $8 billion, almost $8 billion. It's insane. And, you know, this Super Bowl is unique, Anita, being in New York, and it's the first year that legal sports betting just been here for about a month, and Bet Rivers is one of the places that people can make their bets at. And it's been great. I mean, New York has really warmed up to it. And, uh, you know, yeah, you always got to get good value. I mean, you got to be a frugal shopper. I tell people that. And, you know, I'm sick of hearing about Cooper Cup. All of his prop bets are all beat up, so I'm not even talking about him anymore. But, uh, like I said, there are some absolutely great prop bets out there. 
Um, and uh, there was another one here that I talked about uh, that was interesting. Total amount of sacks, I think it was like five and a half combined. Um, you know, and don't forget, I know we're on Burrow, but he was like sacked eight times, nine times in Tennessee a couple of weeks ago. So combined, five and a half sacks for both quarterbacks. Uh, I, think that, but I think that might be a good bet as well. Um. Sounds sounds. I'm I'm actually on the other side of that, but that sounds great if that's the direction. I actually one of my one of my favorite bets, Joe, is I, I like the Bengals uh, logging more sacks than the Rams. I I, I think the Bengals are going to be ready. I mean, we've been talking about it uh, forever now. I, I'm sure the Bengals are going to be ready for it as well. I just I I anticipate the Bengals to log more sacks than the Rams, and you could get that at plus three ten. It's probably one of my favorite bets that's out a, there. That's got, a really in, good bet because. Yeah, everyone's talking about the Rams and the Rams and the Rams, but the Bengals done something right, right? They wouldn't be here. They beat uh, the Raiders. Um, they beat the Tennessee Titans. They beat Kansas City. And, uh, yeah, this game, uh, the line, you're getting some value here at four. I mean, uh, you know, it really isn't that true home field advantage that the, you normally would see, um, you know, with this because the Super Bowl, we know that half the tickets are allocated to secondary markets and the Bengals get 40% of the tickets, the media, et cetera. So it's not going to be like an all-out Rams home, uh, home field uh, advantage tomorrow. At SoFi, 90 degrees. I can't wait. No air conditioning, but I'll be ready. <laughs> You're so funny. You're all about the no air conditioning. Yeah, I know. Well, it's like, it's interesting because on the field, you know, you played some, uh, uh, I know you've been an, uh, an athlete and you've played, but on the field, it's going to be hot and nobody's really taken that into consideration. Um, so, you know, if it's 90 in uh, the air there uh, on the field, it'll probably be a little hotter because technically it's an indoor stadium, even though they have some vents and open ventilation, it's considered an indoor stadium and they don't have AC there. So I'm curious to see if that does com- come to play uh, towards the end of the game, if there's any kind of uh, fatigue on either side. Uh, Joe, thank you so much. Really do appreciate it. How can uh, our listeners uh, hear you when you on tomorrow? When does your show air again? Well, I'll be on tomorrow morning at uh, 6 a.m. tomorrow uh, at the fine line. And then um, next week we'll be breaking some big news for the fine line. We'll be on at a new time slot. It'll be a new format show. And uh, somebody that's on your show might be participating. But we're, we're, we're crossing the uh, T's and dotting the I's. So the fine line will be on at 8 a.m. beginning uh, next week. Uh, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to take some phone calls. And finally I get to talk to people like you do all day long. <laughs> Sounds great. All right, Joe. <laughs> 